Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, where every week we talk about how technology is transforming the creative industries. Today on the program, our fidgetal the way forward for NFTs. Remember NFTs? Last year's most hyped technological innovation has kind of wavered from the headlines during the crypto crash uh, the past six months. But recently, it seems that the lifestyle industry is not losing its grip on this technology. Today, we will list five new NFT projects within fashion that merges digital ownership with physical experiences, from luxury houses to sneaker collabs and gaming experiences. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleagues Roland Philip Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and our Junior Editor Eric Sedin. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. All right, so today uh, we're going to try a new type of format for uh, the podcast. We're going to do kind of like a listicle or listisode, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the... I don't know if that flies, but anyway, so we're going to list five new uh, projects. Uh, we try to thematically uh, group them under this headline, our digital the way forward for NFTs. Uh, all right, first out, Satisfy and Norda. Eric, you've been reading up on this. Take it away. So yeah, our uh, contributor, Oliver Dahle, the people that uh, listen to this podcast have uh, heard uh, speak about uh, Metaverse experience before. He's kind of, uh, he, he knows his way around the Metaverse. By this, He knows it like the back of his hand, right? Mm. Uh, he told us this last week about uh, Satisfy Running, that is a running club and a running shoe brand, a running clothes brand. Yeah, clothes brand. It's a Parisian. Oh, it's, it's from Paris, exactly. Yes. And you know, it's uh, this kind of cool running brand. You know, it's uh, very unpretentious and they have, you know, they sell tie-dye t-shirts made for running and bandanas, whatever you need those for running for. But you look cool. It's a cool but very expensive brand. brand, though. I mean, a t-shirt very. is like $200. So. Yeah, I know. And a bandana was like $90. So you get the, you get the hang of it. So anyways, it's a cool running ba- brand. Uh, they partnered up with uh, Norda, also a cool running brand. They make the shoes, right? They make trail run. And uh, they released, uh, it's called, I'm going to read out the name here. It's called... The Satisfy Norda 001 Silver. I don't know. It doesn't really sound like a shoe, but it's up for interpretation what you think it sounds like. But anyways, uh, so they partnered up to make uh, what I think is actually a pretty good looking shoe. It's a running trail shoe then. Uh, But the thing is, the first 50 people that bought these shoes, it cost $350. The first 50 people that bought it also received a dynamic digital twin, an NFT of the shoe. To go along with the real shoe. If you go on OpenSea and you search for this name, Satisfy Norda 001 Silver, <laughs> you can see the shoe uh, as NFTs, 50 of them. When you look at them on OpenSea, it only looks like big ice blocks. You can't see anything. You can kind of tell if you look at the NFTs. There's kind of like a soles. You can tell there's a shoe inside the ice blocks. And it says everything it says on the OpenSea uh, ad or whatever it says. These shoes are not meant to be stuck in ice or something along those lines. So as you download uh, the Strava app, I don't know if you guys know, but I didn't know about this, but it's a running and cycling tracking app. Sounds yeah, kind like of like a, like a Fitbit uh, mm. type app, right? For yeah. runners. Uh, so yeah, with this app, the Strava app, as you connect your shoe to it, and as you go running with the shoe, the NFT will then change. You know, the NFT on OpenSea that you received will change. And the block of ice will start to melt. So it's a dynamic NFT. It will change mm. as you go running with your shoe. 
I think there's someone who knows a little bit more about this. I don't know, Roland, you told us that you had the shoe. Is it fully unfrozen or is it stuck in ice? So I'm actually going to go back in time. This is time traveling. <laughs> L- let's uh, close our eyes and imagine summer 2022. That's actually when uh, Satisfy and Norda released the first edition. So the ice edition that you're mentioning now is the second edition, the silver one. And then, but early this summer, they launched the first edition, the first collab. Uh, which is in a kind of a greenish color. And the actually the shoe, the Norda shoe, the, the Norda the company is very interesting. They only have one model, uh, an extremely hyped Canadian company. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's um, I would say, the most hyped trail running company for 10 years. Um, but yeah, anyway, the, the first edition that they did was basically the same methodology, mechanism, you, the first 50 buyers got an NFT. I was one of the first 50. I got the NFT. Um, but then the difference is for in the first edition that when you connect it to Strava, the more you run in this first 30-day peri- uh, period, uh, the shoe gets muddy. Ah. But I'm actually going to say something because um, this, this is actually the NFT that I own. Um, it's, not, it's not so muddy. Or is it the silver one? Well, you haven't because, used it? <laughs> yes, no, because I actually tried several times to connect it to Strava and it didn't work. Oh. So um, just, you know, interesting. I mean, I love the concept. I love Satisfy. I have a lot of stuff from them. I love Nord. I have three pairs from them, actually. Uh, and um, I love this concept because it's engaging, right? But... Um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't manage to get it connected to Strava. So my right. NFT is super clean. No mud on my NFT. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is super interesting because one of the reasons we wanted to do this list is, you know, obviously the question is, is this kind of digital experience the way forward? Uh, do we need this connection between a digital experience and something in the physical world? So obviously, what, what's the result here? It doesn't really work. There's a concept, but it's not uh, actually functioning. No, but I, I think that's unfair. So if, if the guys from Satisfy Norda will listen to this, you know, guys, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm getting old. I, I, something, you know, <laughs> probably my fault. I do love this concept and I think it is tied to one single element that is community. So Satisfy mm. has an extremely strong community, extremely brand loyal. Um, the same with Norda, actually. So that's why it works. You know, that's why I paid $350 to be one of the first 50 um, uh, purchasers, uh, you know, because I love to be part of the community. And I think, you know, it's it's a token of my um, love for the brands, basically. Exactly. And I think that's, that's what's interesting. Now, like you said, it didn't work so well, not for you at least, but that's what it's all about when we're talking about these digital experiences. You need a token, you need some way to support the brand, you need somewhere to, you know, maybe boost your digital identity, your open sea identity. So how can you do that? Yeah, and that's really good for brands to use these digital experiences. It didn't work this time perhaps for you, but I, I love yeah. it. I think this is a good but, example. But you know what adopt. actually is the best part of this? It's the mechanism of connecting the NFT to Strava, which didn't work for me. Mm. <laughs> but apparently it works for everyone else because that in itself is super interesting that you actually can then... Um, influence the final 
minting of the NFT, like the final look mm. of the NFT. First, and exactly. you do that by triggering a behavior, mm. which in this case is running, which is actually also great for your health. Uh, right. So I think that in itself is super interesting. And I, th I think we're going to see a lot of those cases now where you actually encourage people to do something, take action. You know, I think in nightlife, in festivals, yeah, yeah. In, in, in fashion, you know, we're going to see a lot of these examples. All right, guys, we got to move on. We got a long list to, or a short list, but a, or during a short time to get through this. So let's get on to the next example. Uh, we're going to stay in France. We're going to look at Chanel, who has uh, opened something they call Atelier de Beauté. Uh, Roland, our uh, man on the ground in Paris. Uh, what is this? Well, Chanel, I mean, they have, of course, as well, a very um, loyal customer base, right? Um, so, and, and they are constantly experimenting with new retail formats. So this is a, a, a retail format, basically. So Atelier Beauté Chanel, Mm. It is this kind of permanent retail space that encourages people to play rather than shop. So, you know, when you enter um, this space, uh, you basically um, are encouraged to connect and uh, to, to use a lot of the different products <clears throat> that are on offer, but also actually to um, interact digitally with the products and also online. And it, it's kind of, I mean, I have not experienced this. So it's like, I can only read uh, what's written about it, right? But the way I understand it, it's that they have created a retail space, which is testing out different Im immersive technologies to kind of create a link with the online space and the physical retail space. And also I think the key element here is that it's extremely personalized it's fun it's not shopping it's it's a it, it, you know it's, it's it's a playful retail experience like more like a showroom um, and i think what is interesting about that has nothing to do with nfts actually but if you look at digital retail in itself mm. that is going to be huge if the, i mean we have seen it already for many years you know you, you enter a store you have like screens and stuff um, or you, you can look at um, Amazon Go. It's, it's kind of a digital retail space, right? Uh, where you basically go in and you don't need to pay at a cashier. You, you basically go in and go out seamlessly and everyth everything is kind of monitoring your, your purchasing behavior in the store. But I think, in, especially in the luxury industry, um, customers are demanding for something else right um that is much more than just uh sh shopping and uh, they want to be entertained and i think chanel is a great example again and um, they actually opened up in china i think this year um a store ex that is only available for their top 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 vip customers right like the top one percent yeah um so that in itself is also interesting to create these kind of the different level of stores different access it's almost like gamification like the more you spend <laughs> the, the higher level you you, you reach mm. in the chanel kind of universe right mm. um but i i think I th uh you know to get back to this atelier Boutier chanel i think what is interesting there it is the the level of interactivity uh that you get with the brand you get to meet master artists, you get a, a different level of service. Uh, it is connected to the digital ecosystem. You have events, etc. So 
And yeah, I, I think it's just interesting to, to observe not only what Chanel does, but also what all the luxury brands are doing in this space. You know what? What you just said there is <clears throat> is you know we could actually rename this list to something like "What are the luxury brands doing with NFTs?" And I don't think <laughs> this is a coincidence. We've talked about this before that uh, the brands that has the you know the highest kind of brand equity, the highest value connected to their actual brand, their actual logo, their actual brand universe are the ones that are going to be most successful in a digital space because they can transfer that brand value into something uh, digital. Um, so uh, would you agree, agree Roland, that, that the way forward for digital spaces is sort of in the hands of, of, of these luxury brands? Uh, yes, I would say at least in the next uh, couple of years. Uh, let's mm. see then, you know, when it gets more mass market. But I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, this uh, just, you know, before kind of uh, recording this session today, this morning that, you know, the luxury brands have so much money, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, especially Chanel. I mean, it's like the apple of the luxury industry. I mean, they have so much money to spend. So, you know, that's obviously it's obviously easier for them to get a head start. But then I think, in addition, the key element there with luxury is identity. And this is the whole point, as we discuss like almost every week, you know, the whole mm. idea of the metaverse, uh, of, of collectibles, etc. It's about your, it's an extension of your identity. And that's where the luxury brands are brilliant. On that note, let's move on to our third example. And that is a collaboration between uh, Rimova, the luxury luggage brand, which is now owned by uh, LVMH for since the last couple of years, I think. They are collaborating with uh, Nike or specifically the Nike owned digital fashion brand Artifact. So Nike bought Artifact, a fairly new uh, digital sneaker brand at that point based out of Paris again. Um, uh, I think it was last year or, uh, yeah, it was probably finalized last year, that deal. And now they're collaborating on a uh, set of suitcases that are both physical. You can get the actual suitcase, but you're also, um, you have also access to 2,222 worker boot NFTs that would be released as part of the, the collaboration. Um, so this is kind of a new virtual universe by, by these two brands. And it's sort of the theme is um, a kind of a space station workshop. That's where the, the name worker bots are from. Uh, uh, guys, have you, seen, have you seen this collaboration? No, I haven't. Sounds super interesting. I think I it think... looks... I think it looks cool. I think I can kind of see the people, the kind of person that would <laughs> that would wear it, to have these bags and have the NFTs. I can kind of see like uh, you might be a uh, like thirty five year old complex or high nobility writer, and you're on the airport and you might flex with your new uh, artifact <laughs> remote Renova bag. It looks it looks exactly like that kind of bag, and it's cool. Yeah, I can't afford a Renova bag, but uh, it looks cool. I think uh, I think they need to do some more stuff like this, tapping into street culture. We've been saying this forever on this podcast yeah, interesting it's also something you know somewhere kind of a cross between kind of streetwear culture and gaming there are these <laughs> kind of small robots that you get access to in the digital space it looks really cool i mean you can really see an extension of this would be like small films or something i mean these small robots may perhaps look like something out of a pixar movie or something mm-hmm. uh so but again i think the strength there is the Remova brand, 
Remova has a strong community internationally. Uh, if you buy a, a Remova bag, you get access to all kinds of uh, sort of services in terms of how you can upgrade your bags or, or fix them. You can, I think, if you have a Remova bag, you can just basically walk into any uh, shop around the world and they they will mm. you know give you a new wheel or something. So again, mm. this, this strong sense of community is heightened through this digital uh, uh, world or digital collaboration. But you know, Conrad, anecdotally, <clears throat> yesterday evening, I, I had dinner with the ex-chief uh, creative officer of Facebook, really a super smart guy. Uh, well, of course and, you did. And, <laughs> yes, of course I did. <laughs> no, but you know what? We, we talked about Web3 specifically a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think he summarized it really well. Web3 or Metaverse is not about technology, it's about subculture. Mm. That's why brands, sh- you know, should be in this space or, or not all brands, uh, of course, but some brands, especially luxury, especially in streetwear, maybe in spirits, maybe in other industries, you know, they have a right to play because they have a role to play in different subcultures. And th- 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 those subcultures are driving the evolution of the metaverse at the moment. Speaking of subcultures, let's move on to our fourth example, which is Burberry and Minecraft. Eric, you've been reading up on this. So yeah, uh, if uh, if uh, if it's a subculture or not, I actually uh, would say that Minecraft is quite, you know. See, I, I know actually... it's, that's a boomer comment from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a culture. <laughs> it's just a culture. It's an institution, basically. Even. Sorry about that. Anyways, I, I have uh, the website in front of me now called ActivePlayer.io that kind of in real time lets you know how many players are on Minecraft at this very yeah. moment. So right now there are 952,900 players right now. And per month they have around wow. 171 million active players. So, so cool. it's crazy. And we, we, you know, I've written about it on the website a lot. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot. Minecraft is the go-to playground if you want to enter the metaverse. If you want to have some digital clothes or digital stuff, go to Minecraft. So many people play it, right? And yeah, so this time, it's Burberry's time to enter um, Minecraft and its metaverse. It's the first time that Burberry has made its own, you know, a full branded gaming platform and experience. So they have their own little land called Freedom to Go Beyond in Minecraft that actually is released in uh, on Saturday mm. Yeah, tomorrow. Cool. Uh, what I like about this, and you know, this episode is about digital, and I've said it before. I think it's really important that you can allow yourself to buy a digital asset, if, if it's an NFT or if it's a skin somewhere. You should also be able to buy a physical one to match, and that's what Burberry has done here. Uh, they mm. have released uh, several outfits for your Minecraft character, and you can buy the exact carbon copy version for yourself, which mm. I think is great. I love that thing. You can like look exactly like your digital self uh, really Conrad, cool can you sponsor eric can you s- switch him like 10k so he can go and purchase <laughs> something tomorrow we have to yeah. Just, yeah we book it on re- as research costs <laughs> yeah actually i, I'm, I will i will uh, try to um, i will try to enter the the burberry land this weekend yeah. to check it out yeah. let's yeah, see if should. i if i show up to the office on monday with a new burberry hoodie too would be cool. oh, i love that example i think it, it's it's great testimony to Again, <laughs> I'm repeating myself. This, you know, the, the strength and the power of identity and, and how it mm. interconnects between the physical and the digital space so much uh, now, right? Yeah, but Eric, can I just out of curiosity, mm. um, how much or not do you care about your digital identity? You know, do you, do you spend a lot of time on fine-tuning your avatars? Uh, I do. The ones, I'm, I'm not... 
I, I don't I don't play Minecraft, I have to be honest. I don't have the central answer. I don't have uh, that kind of avatar. But I do play a lot of uh, Halo, the first-person shooter game. And I spent a lot of time <laughs> fixing my guy on there. He has to look spot on. Like, I'm, everything from the gloves to the knee pads to, like, mm. the accessories. And, for example, um, OPI, the very American nail polish brand, they released mm-hmm. a nail polish the other year. If you bought that one, and you scan the code on the bottom of it, your Halo character could look as the same color as a nail polish, like a glittery silver or gold or cool. purple one. So that's an example that I was really... I didn't buy one, unfortunately. I was too late. But uh, So my Halo character is not glittery gold, unfortunately. I do spend a lot of time and care into it. And uh, going back to the Burberry example, I just want to add, I think it's quite boring. We've seen Balenciaga do it. We've seen Nike do it with, uh, with Fortnite. I think it's quite boring that these brands only do like tees and hoodies you know it's just mm-hmm. a hoodie with a minecraft logo it's just burberry and like a minecraft font i think they should like i think i should be able to rock like a, i don't know like a cool suit in minecraft or in uh, in fortnite and also buy a cool suit it's always these like kind of childish hoodies or tees with like a mm-hmm. print on Interesting. i think if you're a luxury brand how, why are you doing a t-shirt you know i think it's quite boring someone needs to step it up a bit here come on guys Digital fashion brands take note. The new Gen C. Are you Gen C, Eric? We we, we uh, did we establish that? <laughs> I, I'm I'm just in the borderline. It's nice. It, it says if you Google it, Gen C starts. You're Gen C. Gen yeah, C is it's... requesting uh, tailored fashion in the metaverse. Uh, let's let's do a special episode on that, guys. I'm going to mention one last uh, example, and then we'll wrap this up and kind of answer this question that we said on the top of the program. But you know, speaking of these luxury brands, Gucci is now. Uh, just recently, um, the other day, actually a week ago, announced a new col- collaboration with uh, Palace, the skateboard mm. brand. Gucci has uh, previously uh, talked about doing sort of uh, digital twins. Uh, they have their own um, uh, sort of you know digital land called the Vault, uh, I think it's called. And now they're doing three immersive pop-up takeovers of Palace's Los Angeles, New York, and London stores. Uh, which they're also doing digital versions of in uh, their own uh, metaverse. Very cool. Actually, Gucci Vault is something more than that. It's actually the, the Gucci's kind of research R&D department, you can say. So everything that is kind of new on uncharted territory for Gucci when they're testing out like NFTs mm. or metaverse stuff or new collections, mm. collabs, that goes under Gucci Vault as a concept. And I'm mm. sorry for plugging my work so much, but we just recruited the managing director of Gucci Vault to Panorama Cow. So exciting times for us. <laughs> Super exciting. But I think there's there's also speculation that this might be the first uh, step towards uh, Gucci's, uh, you know, activation in sandbox. Uh, we've talked about various mm-hmm. digital, uh, the new sort of metaverses, sandbox and Decentraland. There was actually an article out the other week talking about how few people that are actually on these spaces mm. and are yeah, present in them. And you have something like 300 person or something, mm. nothing compared to, you know, Minecraft or, or Fortnite. But just to wrap this up, because we have limited time this, this week on the podcast, I think, you know, we, we could do a follow-up on this because there are things happening within restaurants and, and other industries mm-hmm. as well. But just want to get your guys' take on, you know, because we had this for the first sort of hype period of NFTs, uh, sort of in the spring of 2021, everyone was talking about it. Uh, we had the Bored Apes and, and all those uh, first ones that were purely digital assets. I think what we're seeing here is kind of maturity, 
maturization, if, if that's a word, of the NFT space, where we are seeing, uh, you know, legacy brands and actual applications in the physical world. And and I do think there is a future for a completely digital NFT, uh, you know, application, but we might not be there yet. So is this the bridge? Is it that we need this sort of digital versions to, to bridge us into the metaverse? What do you think? Yeah, I've you know, I've said this since forever. You People that listen, I think that's exactly the way to go. And I think... Like you said, maybe going to like a sandbox in the central land where no people are, go to Minecraft, go to like uh, Fortnite where people actually hang out, where people have identities and build culture for your brand. No? Roland? I would challenge that last point. Go <laughs> to the central land and sandbox as well, because the thing is, there's a huge difference. Fortnite is a Web2 platform. The central land is a Web3 platform. There's a huge difference. We can talk about that separately in another episode, but one does not exclude the other. The second thing is, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I think like a year ago, we had this topic uh, on the show. uh, And, you know, I I, I predicted, um, and it's not like I'm a guru of of the future, but I said, you know, the future of NFTs is is utility, Mm. right? And I think this is what we're seeing in practice now. Like, Mm. you know, that it's actually not as much as this kind of digital thing. It's the utility part, like the purpose, like why do you purchase it? It's not only to have, as you say, Eric, this kind of uh, pixel T-shirt uh, in the digital space. It's actually something else, right? It gives you purpose. It, it creates engagement. Uh, it, it gives you something um, with value, right? Which is not only value in a specific platform online, but gives you real-life value as well. Wonderful. This has been a great episode. First try of the, the listisode. Uh, I think we need to do another listisode of uh, utility NFTs because uh, we only managed to go through the fashion ones. There are several others happening in other industries. So we'll get, we'll get back to that. All right. Let's take a look at the week ahead and also uh, look at some stories that we've published on ScandinavianMind.com the past week. Eric, uh, you mentioned you were out traveling the other week. You can say what it was. Uh, can, you, can you reveal now what the big, big story is? <laughs> yeah, the, the big uh, life-changing story is that Apple flew me out to check out their Daisy robot, this assembly robot that took, takes apart an iPhone in 18 seconds. It was pretty cool to see. Uh, you can read all about it, why it matters, why it's important uh, online now. Right. Maybe not that big of a story, but uh, <laughs> uh, at least a follow up to something that we've been talking about. Also, uh, we have been doing a kind of a rundown of how the Scandinavian women's wear brands performed during the fashion week uh, season. We've highlighted seven of them. Uh, mm-hmm. From Acne Studios to Hans Schopenham, Cecil Bansen, and Elio Tamil and others. So have a look at that. Also, I can add uh, a lot of you guys, if you're listening to this, I love that you're calling us out on TikTok in the comment section. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of spiraled out of control. We get a lot of views, we get a lot of engagement. So people call us out. And if you listen to this and if you don't agree with what we're saying, go on our TikTok, get Navy in mind, and comment and tell us when we're saying something wrong and when we're doing something right. It's great. Yeah. It's been really interesting to see the difference in tonality and how people engage with with this platform versus uh, Instagram. Instagram is still very polite, I feel. Very polite (laughs) and adult and people don't shout back. Whereas in in TikTok, it's much more of a... Exactly. Instagram is more uh, praising emojis. Like, yeah, this is great. And TikTok is more like, I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you just said that. Maybe that sums up this podcast uh, perfectly. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Uh, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com/newsletter. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us. See you again next week. 
See ya. 